1: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
0: Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with writer Josh Roberts. Hello. How's it going?
1: Very well. A little bit sweaty, but apart from that.
0: You know what? I think you might be our first British person on the podcast, which is really weird. That's very exciting. It is exciting for you. Okay. Yeah, seriously. So Josh, how old are you and where are you from?
1: So I'm 29 years old and I'm from
0: London in the UK. Very cool. So we have to give a shout out to our friend in common, Jamie. Thank you for connecting us. So I asked you right before we started recording where you went to school, how you knew Jamie. And you said you went to Trinity College, Trinity College in Dublin. Correct. Yes. So I just finished a book and the characters had like a relationship at trinity college have you heard of this book normal people
1: sally rooney yeah yeah, she's incredible so she i never met her or maybe i might have bumped into her in a canteen or something but she was in an english class with um two of my friends
0: that's so funny so she's like our age
1: she's our age and she's incredible and that book which one had you read um normal people but but i haven't
0: read conversations with friends which people told me i should have read before
1: they're they're both incredible Mm -hmm. and also such a I mean, you don't have to have gone to Trinity College in Dublin to get the the jokes and to understand what she's going for. Yeah, but she kind of skewers it perfectly, I think.
0: For sure. Do you think that the experience you had was similar to what she writes about?
1: No, no. I <laughs> I would love to think that my I was that switched on throughout university and that observant. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. We played a lot more uh, video games and yeah. drank a lot more beer, uh-huh. probably.
0: For sure. Well, I mean, they definitely partied, but it sounded like classier, you know. Uh, wait a minute. I mean, we, we we were quite classy. Not that not that video <laughs> games aren't classy, but they were like, oh, and like, you know, she would like make them tea in like her grandma's house in Italy. I don't know.
1: No, nothing, nothing nearly as interesting or wholesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, I for four years did pretty much fuck all. Yeah. Apart from yeah, I got got quite not nearly as good as Jamie, but quite good at video games mm-hmm. and even better at drinking Guinness.
0: There you go. Mm. Yeah, anyone who is British just in general is an amazing beer drinker.
1: Well, we start younger, don't forget. Right, right, So no, it's true. So even I went for a beer in the city last night and was ID'd, Stop. you know, and I've got quite a beard at the minute, which I thought was- That's
0: flattering.
1: Well, I th- actually, I thought it was quite flattering, actually. Yeah. But, you know, we, so it's legal to drink in the UK from 18. Right. But I mean, most people would start much, much earlier than that.
0: Did you know that Jamie has an app- where he registers every single beer that he's ever drank and he gets points for, and he's in a competition with my boyfriend, Max. I'm not sure if you guys have met. Yes, indeed. And they're in serious competition on this app of who can drink the most unique beers. And I'm pretty sure Jamie has about 500.
1: Yeah, he's doing well. I'm not actually on the app, but Uh I did chuckle the other night because we went for a beer, uh, your boyfriend, myself and Jamie, last week. And the guest beer in this pub in New York was uh-huh. uh, Stella Artois, which at home would be referred to as wife beater. Um, Why is that? On, on, account, on account of the fact that... Um, People it's drink like, it and beat their wives. Mm, back in the day.
0: Why? Because it's like a stronger beer?
1: I don't know, actually. I don't know. It's just kind of got a bit of a kind of characterization for being a, a slightly working class bevy. Mm. But um, yes, yeah, so it's quite funny to see it served up as the guest ale.
0: That's funny because I always thought of Stella as like a more high-end beer.
1: So they had a very clever advertising campaign, which they ran end of the 90s, mm. which was they increased the price of it and the tagline was reassuringly expensive. And it was a bid to <laughs> sort of good. reposition it from being a wife beater. By to the way,
0: one. it's so rude of me. Would you like a beer? We have some. No, I'm fine. Actually. Okay. I'm okay. Fine. Thank you, though. Because I just want you to be, you know, comfortable in your natural habitat <laughs> if that's beer. <laughs> So I don't know how much Jamie told you, but we're kind of into astrology a little bit on the podcast. Mm. Don't run away. Mm. Um, So when is your birthday?
1: Well, so I'm aware of this astrology business and I have been, uh, I've been listening to the podcast. So I had some questions for you. I'm an Aries. Assuming that it's the same on this side of the pond.
0: It is the same. Yeah. So you are a March or April Aries?
1: April, April the 8th.
0: Okay, Eighth is, eight is a power number.
1: That's a power number. Yeah, it
0: is. So Gosh, you what should a be really happy, yeah.
1: What, what are you, cause you're an Aries I think as well.
0: I'm not, oh. but thank you. You're a Libra. Um, I'm a Libra, Which I think exactly. is the same as my girlfriend. Oh yeah, it's the opposite of Aries.
1: There you go, so, opposites like, attract.
0: Exactly, so your girlfriend must be amazing.
1: She, well, I think so. That um, leads me
0: to my next question, which was gonna be what's your relationship status?
1: Yeah, committed, long-term, live together relationship. Oh wow, yeah. live together. Live together.
0: How long? have you been dating?
1: So we've been dating for about three years. Fuck, I should know that. Three and a bit. And we've been living together since January last year. So yeah.
0: So you were together for about two years before you moved in together?
1: Yes, we had two years of sort of sharing wardrobes and, you know, packing overnight bags and all that kind of bollocks. And then eventually, what happened? What happened? Oh yeah, so her, her flat came to an end because they were selling the gaff. And then... She wanted somewhere to live, and it made sense. So that's what we did.
0: You're saying all these words that I know because I'm dating someone British, but for people who don't know, like, oh. what's a gaff? A building. Oh yeah, your
1: gaff would be your um, your home, I suppose. And fuck Sorry. all is
0: like nothing.
1: <laughs> fuck all is nothing, and bollocks is um, well, your balls.
0: Right. Mm. So do you watch Love Island?
1: This year, no. Most primarily because I've been here. Right. So I've been in New York. I mean, York but for we a, watch a it, and we're here. Um but uh, it's definitely a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It's and I, huge. I'm told this season is the best yet.
0: It's def, I don't know if it's the best yet, but it's pretty savage what's been going on. Is there an American yeah. Love Island? There is an American Love Island, mm-hmm. but it hasn't been released yet. It's coming, I think in July. Would you yeah, go on so it? Yeah, so soon. I would never go on it now, but um, it's so entertaining. I mean, I don't know. I, I, first of all, I'm not looking for love at the moment. But I guess if I were like really single and like not desperate, but like, you know, like couldn't find love anywhere else but on a reality TV show, which I can't imagine, then maybe. But they're not going on to fall in love. They're going on as a conduit. That's the thing. Like, you know exactly what you're getting into when you go on a show like Love Island. You're going for a million Instagram followers. That's it. Yeah. You know, like
1: Boohoo collab.
0: And then, <laughs> yeah, is that a, one of those oh, yes, one friends? of those sort of shitty fast fashion brands. Or, brand. or um, Just Eat, which is, like, your seamless.
1: Correct, yes. Although, do they end up on Just Eat? I can't remember who's, is it Primark? No, March Just
0: sponsor? Eat sponsor is one of the sponsors, oh, and it's it? so annoying, because now I always have in my head, like, did somebody say Just Eat? <laughs> it's so fucking annoying.
1: Well, so we actually, we have two food delivery companies. One is Just Eat, and they do, like, your local...
0: And then you do and you then have then we have Uber delivery.
1: Eats. We have Uber Eats as well, but then delivery, which is like slightly more fancy stuff.
0: Right, right. Well, I don't know if you know this, but my favorite restaurants in London are the like not fancy, like pretty trashy ones. Go on. Nando's, obviously. Really? Mm -hmm. And I love Pizza Express, but not the pizza, not even the pizza. I like the dough balls.
1: Yes, I mean, I've been, uh, as you can probably tell, a dough ball enthusiast for many years. (laughs) And as to Nando's, it was something I came to very, very late. But I worked with a couple of guys who were really into it. And it was our Friday ritual. Mm. And I'm pleased to say I'm in there once a week.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just the best place. But I'm surprised for someone who, having
1: listened to the podcast, kind of, you know, in shape and this sort of thing would be going to Nando's. Oh,
0: no. I eat like a 400-pound woman at like a water park. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I actually have a food Instagram called Don't Expect Salads.
1: Yeah, but I've seen it. And I was questioning of whether you actually ate it. No, I actually, I actually
0: again. do. Ask, ask Max. He will, really? he will tell you, and he's not happy about it. He thinks it's disgusting what I eat. <laughs> well,
1: that's not what you don't even you know, body shamed at home. That's not what we need. I know. Food shame. I Absolutely know. Not. Come,
0: Come on. on, stop food shaming. So, what do you write about?
1: So, I've written, uh, or I'm just in the process of finishing my first book, mm-hmm. which is a nonfiction. Um, I suppose half part memoir, part self help book, Mm -hmm. about what it's like to have a mental breakdown. So that's what happened to me three years ago. Woke up one morning into like a really savage panic attack, and I'd had panic attacks in the past. I'd had not not a lot, but I'd had a couple of instances where I'd kind of experienced that those sensations. Right. This one was very different in the sense that it lasted longer than anything else. So it was kind of.
0: Was it like? Have you watched The Sopranos?
1: Yes, a bit.
0: Was it like Tony's panic attacks where like you're sweating and like you kind of black out a little bit?
1: So I have no idea about Tony's panic attacks. Yeah. I'll tell you about mine, which is, yeah, so there's physical sensations, all of the kind of physicality of being nervous. So raised heart rate, constricted stomach, short breath, sweaty skin, dilated pupils, all that kind of stuff. And then a kind of mental terror of, the physical stuff is so potent that you you tend to think, or, or, or for me, the mental stuff is quite singular and it's just, I'm about to die. you right. know, you're just like, that's that the, the only thought in my head.
0: Do you remember what triggered this really bad one?
1: Well, oh. I, I think there's probably short something. So it, w- it was the morning after a party, but I'd been to a bunch of parties and never had panic attacks the next day. So I think it was a culmination of my mid twenties where I was boozing too much, drinking too much, smoking too many siggies smoking to me cigarettes, not, ex- <laughs> not exercising enough, doing jobs that I fucking hated, not sleeping enough, all that kind of stuff. And then I also think in the process of writing the book, I've gone kind of looked back into my family history and I think there's some genetics there involved mm-hmm. too. So yeah, I mean, pe- pe- people with panic attacks or anxiety disorders tend to talk in terms of triggers. I found that very triggering or whatever. I don't know if that applies in my instance. Yeah, or.
0: definitely. Well, I've, I've definitely had panic attacks. Not a lot of my panic attacks have manifested physically. Mm. It's been like mental, like I'm mentally tortured in that moment, let's say. But I wonder like, because we another topic we touch upon a lot on the podcast is therapy. Is that something that you explored as a result of these panic attacks?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I, mean- I
0: know it's like kind of taboo in the UK.
1: Well, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, <laughs> the public conversation around mental health in the UK is moving very, very quickly, uh, and particularly with men. Suicide is the biggest killer of men under the age of, used to be 45, I think it's now 50 in the UK. So the public conversation is moving quite quickly, p- primarily because it has to. You know, right. it, if The biggest killer of me and my mates is themselves, right? So it's time that you know, we started having this conversation. Um, and as part of that, we're becoming more and more comfortable with the idea of therapy, I think it probably uh, jars a little bit with the kind of British psyche, the idea of talking about yourself or paying someone to listen to you talk about yourself. My own experience of it has been hugely positive. So over the course of the last three years, I've been doing cognitive behavioral therapy. So less kind of psychotherapy. My
0: favorite therapy, I'm in it right now. Yeah. And have been.
1: Cool. So yeah. And that's been for me really, really effective. And Mm. I think it also appeals because it's quite a practical form of therapy you know, the idea is you you learn a series of techniques. Exactly. In order to pick apart the bullshit that sort of pops into your head. I think that appeals to men in a way which psychoanalysis or more Freudian stuff probably wouldn't.
0: For sure. And do you have any friends that, you know, would benefit from that therapy who are still kind of like, no, dude, like, it's not for me.
1: They just tend to think of as being you know a bit nervous, or uh, right. you know, I get a bit down, or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Mm-hmm. But definitely with young men, I think there is a problem around getting help and talking about it because you don't want to necessarily admit frailty or weakness. In my instance, it was just it was just so bad that I couldn't not. Right. It was and so debilitating.
0: I, and I just have this theory that you just kind of proved true, which is that like men with therapy like they wait until like there's no other option like they wait until like something kind of tragic happens to them whether it's a panic attack like god forbid the loss of a parent Mm. a really debilitating breakup you know something like that where they have no other option and I feel like therapy can be used as more of a preventative measure you know instead of waiting Mm. till like shits hit the fan And same with couples therapy as well
1: Yes, definitely. I mean, the, the question around men and mental health is really interesting. And I think one of the reasons that we're not as good as women at, at asking for help or talking to our friends or whatever, you have to remember really until the start of the 19th century, no, uh, turn of the 20th century, mental health problems for men weren't an option. Right. So mental health was intrinsically linked or conditions like melancholia or hysteria. Right,
0: like you weren't allowed to be in... In well, no, the because, army, because like they weren't were allowed ph- to. Yeah,
1: correct, but they were they were they were physiologically. The science was that they those problems were tied to movements of the uterus.
0: Mm.
1: For, for thousands of years, that was the the kind of the way that science thought about mental health. And because men, I don't think, have uteruses, uteri, I should say. Right. We couldn't really have mental health problems. Right. And so women have had a thousand, twelve hundred year head start in coming to terms with these issues in a way that men haven't. I'm not saying that women have had an easy time of history. Clearly they have not. Yeah. Um, but at least in the domain of mental health, that it has been an option.
0: That's so interesting mm. because like, because of that, you know, going back to wife beaters, that's like, you know, all like so many men who have like taken out aggression on like in domestic abuse and and like over drinking and things like that. like. It was so many probably undiagnosed mental health issues that were not able to come to to light.
1: I think so. I think if you if you you know if you bottle up unhappiness, uh, anxiety, you know whatever, if you bottle it up and and don't have any outlet for that, whether, whether or not that's you know um, exercise or whether or not that's something creative or whether therapy, whatever it might be, then yes, it's probably going to burst through in quite unseemly or miserable ways like as you said things like um domestic violence but also problems with addiction drinking drugs self-harm all those kind of things
0: right yeah do you have any friends with problems with addiction and and things like that
1: yeah i have friends who've had problems with alcohol with drugs and i mean it's a slightly different issue but it's still an obsessive disorder Mm -hmm. around eating as well
0: yeah like guys with eating disorders?
1: Yes, I know blokes who've had eating, men who've had eating disorders. Yeah. But, um, and, and you know, girls too.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely girls. But it's, it's more rare in, it's less diagnosed in men, I feel like.
1: Less diagnosed and less discussed. For sure. Right,
0: exactly. But there's definitely a problem there. So you live with your girlfriend now. You've been together for three years. I'm yes. assuming you met her right around, like after the panic attack or before? No, I met her probably about six months before. In fact, the first ever
1: panic attack I had happened the first night that I stayed at her flat and uh, <laughs> yeah and I had I asked her to call an ambulance and then she was in her typical style quite dismissive of that in a good way yeah, in a good right. supportive way and then it kind of went away for a bit and then yeah I had the full like breakdown about six months into our relationship yeah
0: wow and how did she show up for you in that situation or was it the kind of thing where you wanted to really work on it alone yeah,
1: interesting. So we went through different phases. Um, at the start, I tried not to talk about it at all and, um, and tried to sort of do it on my own. But it was, it was, for a number of reasons, but very all-consuming. And and I felt that, you know, in order for her to understand, I kind of had to tell, tell her. And I was doing, for the first kind of six months or so, I was doing that thing, which I don't know if your parents do, but sometimes I'll get a text from my mum that just says, please call me which is like enough information for you to panic. Right. <laughs> you know, fuck, someone's died or something. Right. But not enough information to, to know what's actually going on. For sure. So then we switched and I was telling her everything and did that for about six months. And that was e- equally, I think, bad. And what we settled on, we ended up having a sort of proper conversation about it. And what we settled on was, you know, if, if I really desperate to talk about the stuff that's going through my mind, i'm you know able to talk to her Mm -hmm. and if she wants to point me in the direction of the therapist or a professional then she's within her rights to do that yeah and we've done that ever since it's quite a nice balance
0: to be honest yeah i think that's nice because i think a lot of women in particular end up like kind of like mothering their partners in a way you know because they're not like they're just going to them for everything, you know? Mm. And it's like your partner can, is like there for you and can support you, but can only be like a few things, you know, can't be like the all encompassing, like yep. person that you depend on for every single thing. I don't know. Well, well,
1: also because through absolutely no fault of her own, my girlfriend is not a trained cognitive behavioral therapist. Exactly. And so there's times where I would say something and maybe she would say something that would not be necessarily that helpful. Right, it's not her fault at all. Like she's only saying, oh, we're only coming from a position of right. love and support and all the rest of it. But you know, if your if your boiler's broken, you wouldn't ask your boyfriend exactly. to fix it. You get a plumber in, and right. it's the same is true of your mind. I think. Right. The advice I always give is to send them first to if they like genuinely think they have a problem, is to send them first to send them first to a doctor, because for some reason, um, someone in a white coat or someone with you know
0: saying you should see a therapist, a buttload doctor. of diplomas right. telling
1: you that you have to go and do something is more impactful than your friend saying it.
0: Especially to a guy.
1: Yes, but I mean, that's the other thing is, people, and I was the same, right? This is why I think it's quite ha- helpful, hopefully in the book, we talk about this quite a lot. If you'd pitched the idea of cognitive behavioral therapy, picking apart the thoughts in your brain, if you'd this to pitch that to me before I had these problems, I probably would have told you to fuck off. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? It sounds like hippy-dippy
0: sure. flower power For sure. bullshit.
1: But the reality is it saved my life.
0: It's a program of action. And that's it's why real. I love it yeah. so much. Yeah. Like I, you know, I was in regular psychotherapy before I was in CBT. And it was it was nice to talk about my feelings and it, it definitely helped me. But I still somehow, some way within seeing that therapist, got to a point where I was depressed or starting to feel depressed again. And I was like, you know, kind of anti-prescription pills. I was like, mm. I don't really want to go on like an antidepressant. Not that there's anything wrong with people who do, but she was like, okay, well then really your only other option is CBT. And that's when it was like presented to me. And I, I was able to, to see it for how helpful it could be. And like, mm. thank God, because I've, been loving it like it it actually changed my life like I had such a short fuse before that not that I don't now but just the ability to like pause is Mm. life-changing for me well it's
1: extraordinary because until you have a a problem with your mind and the thoughts in your head you tend to think of the stuff in your mind and the thoughts your head as being true
0: right but you would like untethered soul if you haven't read it what's that It's a book about separating yourself from the thoughts in your head.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you got what, you know, once you start talking to people about these problems or once you start receiving therapy or whatever, you come to realize a good portion of what your brain comes up with is is bollocks.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um,
1: Not based on evidence, not informed by logic. You know, it's just... Based on
0: feelings most of the time. When you're in emotion. But not even
1: that. I mean, depending on your point of view, you know, you talk endlessly, where do thoughts come from? What are they informed by? I don't know. Right. And what CBT teaches you is that there's no point really caring. Yeah. You want to get to a stage where thoughts pop into your head and you treat, I'm about to die or I'll die alone or whatever, with the same, you you assign the same gravitas to those thoughts as you do, that's a nice jumper or what shall I have for dinner?
0: Exactly. Yeah. I, I actually, so my therapist has all these like quotes on her little bored when I go see her. And I just I just took a photo cuz I saw her today of one of the quotes and I have to tell you what it was. Cuz it was so it's good. They're quite, always I'm, so good. I have good. to
1: say I'm quite skeptical of inspirational quotes, but I,
0: I'm so keeping, I'm keeping mind. So, am an open I, but these mind. are not inspo. Okay. I'm not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. Yes, fine. That's so that's exactly that's exactly what we were saying. Like you And it's, and there's a lot, a lot of the quotes that she has are, are like riffed off of like, I, like, it doesn't matter, you know, what happens, it's how you react to the situation. And that's just like, uh, you know, more about what CBT is.
1: Yeah, exactly. You can't stop the thoughts that come into Mm -hmm. your brain, but you can stop the way that you react emotionally and therefore physically. Exactly.
0: So three years with your girlfriend, you, you know, and, and there were times where you were struggling with your mental health. In terms of sex, was that affected by what you were going through? Oh, I
1: knew you were going to ask me. You (sighs) fucking Americans. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So sex is a part of, of, So, anxiety disorders in particular feed off instances. So it's the best way of saying this. There are some, the easiest um, elements of an anxiety disorder to deal with are the ones where the thoughts don't come true. Mm. right so if you're if i was trying to cbt a thought like i'm going to if i was trying to cbt a thought like uh i'm gonna die alone then the cbt techniques would say okay well let's let's think about the Where's the logic for that? Mm-hmm. Where's the evidence for that? Actually, you've had this anxiety problem for three years and you know, you've know you still got a girlfriend and your friends are still hanging around and you don't experience loneliness. Okay, probably that thought is bullshit. Let's move on to the next one. Right. Like As you know, that's how you work with CBT. The problem with things like sleep and sex is that the thoughts come true. So the more you think about sleeping badly, the more that you worry about right. not being able to have sex, the more those things come true. And... Why is that? Well, because they're physical manifestations. Mm -hmm. Your brain can't stop you from breathing or your brain can't make you die alone, but it can make you not sleep and it can make you lose your erection or whatever it might be. Right. How's it affected us? Not very much, actually, I don't think. It's not been a big problem.
0: Right. But I just wonder and feel free to digging away. Feel feel free to tell me to shut the fuck up. But three years later, like, are you still having sex the way you were in the first year of your relationship? Like how often is it happening? <laughs> I just wonder, because I know what it's like when you live together here. Yes. I don't know what it's like when you live together there.
1: No, I think you go through phases, but I mean, we, you go through phases when you're not living together and when you are living together and when you have an anxiety disorder and when you don't. It's not been, um, you know, like being desperately unhappy for a period of time is obviously not gonna be good for your libido and your sex life. But um, no, it's been, it hasn't been a red flag, mm-hmm. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, You really, you should ask the other side.
0: How often do you think couples should be having sex? Oh, Who live God together? Lindsay, I have no fucking
1: idea. What's what's the average plus 10%? <laughs> I, have,
0: <laughs> would n- be my I have no idea what the average is. I'm curious.
1: So, yes, I don't know. I imagine, I mean, Brits, again, have a reputation for being quite buttoned up on these issues.
0: Mm. I have no idea. What do you think? I would I mean, say maybe once entirely. a week, if that, like sometimes, you know, it's hard when you're living together, you're working really hard. It's nice if you can do it once a week.
1: Yeah, but also slightly like who gives a shit so long as both sides are happy.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So before you met your girlfriend, you were dating. Yes. And I'm assuming you were single at some point in your life.
1: Yeah, I mean, barely. so, oh, so I you're think a I, when serial I, monogamous? When, when we were emailing about coming on the show... No, not monogamous, but I've just had a series of long-term girlfriends. So mm-hmm. in twelve years, I've had four girlfriends. Oh wow! With small breaks in between.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think that all of the relationships that you were in kind of like prepared you for this one?
1: Probably, yeah. Probably. I mean, you learn over a, over the course of time what you do and don't like in in someone, mm-hmm. and um, you know what you're looking for in a in a partner. So definitely that, but they're all, I mean, I, I was thinking about this on the way in on that fucking subway uh, <laughs> and, and uh, was trying to work out, you know, do I have a type? I don't know. I think it's like funny is important for sure. And smiley is important. And someone who can hold their own is important for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I've, it's taken 12 years to sort of work work out that that's what
0: what would your exes let's say say that you need to work on the most in relationships oh my god
1: <laughs> okay, and surprise well, they're them... all
0: here tonight
1: <laughs> no i think they would they would all say similar things about like have probably quite a short fuse like you were saying mm-hmm. i think they would probably say that i'm probably too much of an extrovert and not enough of an in- introvert too much of a talker, not enough of a listener. I see. And then one, the, I've only ever broken up with one person, as in I've done the breaking up. And I think that person in particular would would suggest that I go to breaking up school because I'm not least it's the only time I've ever done it my entire life, but I was dog shit at breaking up with someone. Right. So I would-
0: How did you do I it? imagine
1: that'd be some feedback. Lindsay, it wasn't good. I did it on the first night of a three night mini break in Oxford. Oh God. And So what do uh, you do with the other two nights? I was quite pissed. Well, actually, I, I stayed. And she left. And she left.
0: Why did you le- let her leave? Why didn't you give her a Well, it a was her
1: choice. It was her choice. And I had booked this fucking hotel. And so, yeah, it was, no, it wasn't good.
0: Yeah. You know, it's weird. I don't know if that's an Aries man thing, but I, the only person who broke up with me in such a terrible, like, honestly, horrific way was an Aries man
1: was an Aries man. But I mean, so it wasn't intentional. Right. I mean, and I've been uh, as the fact that It was we're like still impulsive all these because you were ha-
0: you were having a fight and once. Yeah, thing I mean we'd been out for dinner
1: and she'd been in a grump because they didn't have the right thing on the menu or no, worse. She'd done that thing where she was like, I'm not going to eat. And so I was sort of sat there, you know. Anyway, that pissed me off. And then we <laughs> we left and we had a sort of mini row on the way back to the hotel. And she said something along the lines of why don't we just break up? And I said, yeah. Maybe we fucking should. And then it went from there, really.
0: Wow. Mm. I need to know. Do you remember her birthday?
1: No, not a clue. Mm. Sorry.
0: So how long were all the- Why relationships? are you doing your star sign thing? No. Ugh. How long were all these relationships?
1: Well, four and 12. So about, yeah, between two and three years apiece. Okay. And then I, yeah, I probably had cumulatively a couple of years off.
0: Would you say, because I've heard this from a lot of people that you kind of like know after three years, if you can spend- the rest of your life with someone, yes. essentially. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think so. You've never gone past three years?
0: I did in high school, so I don't know oh, if that okay. counts, you know? It's like my high school sweetheart. Like, we weren't about to get married then. Did you think that at the time? No. No. I mean, maybe. Like High I was school like, sweetheart? Yeah. Chad? Like... TJ? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> but I I did. Like, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I found love so, so early, and, like, we're going to be together forever. And then, like, college happened, and I was like, Fuck. That yeah, you know,
1: I don't know. I think moving in together is quite a big step. Once you once you can you know live together and share a bathroom and things like that. Yeah, if you can do that without.
0: Have you discovered anything you didn't know about your partner now that you live together? Yeah, she's
1: terrible at leaving cupboards open.
0: Oh, that's a pet peeve of mine. Mm.
1: But then again, I've my only my mom realized... does it too. Oh, really? Yeah. And then I've only she also cuts bread without using a breadboard, which pisses me off. But aside from that. Mm-hmm. These are minor quibbles.
0: Yeah, those are those are not a big deal. And
1: I apparently leave my socks all over the place.
0: That's annoying. Mm. Yeah, but it's interesting. Would, so, w- would you ever get engaged to someone without living together first?
1: Do you know I have friends that have done that? I think even my, no, my my parents didn't, but I because know of religious
0: reason, reasons or like just well
1: both. So I mean, more kind of old fashioned reasons. Right. I think I have friends who are girlfriends, friends that are girls who's. Come from quite traditional British backgrounds, whose parents wouldn't have been that down with them living Mm. together, and then yeah, from parents, this is sort of generational thing. I wouldn't just I try before you buy, right? Do I mean
0: totally? Mm. Do you guys split rent like, and do you do you talk about money openly because you've been dating for three years?
1: Yeah, we do, we do, and she because I'm writing the book at the moment. I mean, I've got a publisher and stuff, but you you, you don't get paid a ton of cash for your first memoir. And so she's earning more money than me at the moment. So she did a bit more of that. And then, you know, before when I was earning a bit more money, then I'd do a bit more of that. We're quite open with it.
0: And let's say, you know, you were on the same page financially at the moment and you took a vacation, because yes. that's like a hot topic right now with um, my listeners. They're always wondering like, oh, how do you exactly split the vacation with your partner? Oh, I see. Do you, does one person take care of the flights and one person of the hotel, or do you yeah, split yeah. everything? And, you know, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Okay, question for you first. What is Venmo? What is that?
0: So Venmo is an app where you can instantly pay someone oh, okay. from but your credit card so like or your bank banking account. account. No, it, it can, No, it's not, a, okay. it's not a bank account.
1: Fine, okay. So... In answer to your question, we would, I tend to do the organization because I'm a control freak. And so I will decide, okay, you know, I'll build an itinerary and there's usually an Excel spreadsheet involved and things like this. Mm -hmm. Quite, quite, quite anal. Um, In terms of the cost, if I've decided through the organization that we're going to be staying in fancy pants hotel or maybe do some fancy pants flights or whatever, then I take more of that strain And she would pay less. Mm -hmm. But when we're there, we mostly go 50-50.
0: Right. And let's say that she would be down to stay in a nicer hotel, but you didn't want to. Then what would the situation be?
1: I mean, I cannot ever imagine a scenario where that happened. Yeah, It's a hypothetical question. But
0: uh, I think we'd probably split it. Mm -hmm. I think we'd probably split it. So then what about you wanting to stay in the nicer hotel makes you pay more if it wouldn't be the same the other way around?
1: Well, because traditionally I've earned more. But the that's, truth that's, comes out. That's, traditionally, I've earned yeah. more. And I'm also much more of a princess. So for her, take long-haul flying. I mean, I fucking hate flying anyway. So if we were doing a long-haul flight, I would probably cough up the cash to go, you know, fly in a fancy pants cabin or whatever. And in those circumstances, it's my choice. We're only doing it because I'm a diva. It doesn't get you there any quicker. Right. And so then I think morally it feels right that I should pay more. So... Oh. And, I'm yeah. going to predict your question, which is, would you ever do it where I go in fancy pants and she goes in coach? And the answer to that is no.
0: No, no, that, that's fucked up. Because then she can't even visit you. They don't even allow people in first class if they're in coach. But my question to you is like, so do you think that like, whoever's a diva in the relationship, man or woman, doesn't matter, should be paying more money because they want the nicer thing? If, if they have the means.
1: Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Don't you think?
0: Well, I'm the diva, so it's interesting to me.
1: (laughs) Wait, so do you end up paying for things or no? No,
0: No, uh, I mean, like depends. But my partner would be fine backpacking, you know, and like I would, and like staying in a tent, and like I obviously want it, like want to make it nice when like we're traveling. Yeah. Okay, we're the same. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so I don't know how. But our time is more or less up. So we're going to do our last question, which is even though apparently you hate quotes, we end with a quote or it could be a piece of advice or like just inspiration that you've heard over the years. Could be a poem, you know, since you're a writer, whatever, whatever floats your boat.
1: Okay, I will go poem. And it's very short. Mm -hmm. And it's one that I have uh, printed out. (laughs) I'm going to get so much shit for this. On the wall at my office at home. Mm -hmm. And it says, that money talks, I'll not deny. I heard it once. It said goodbye. And it's a very brief poem about how you should never uh, chase cash. That's beautiful. There you go. Seriously.
0: Who is that by? Do
1: you know what? It's anonymous. But I can't remember. I I came across it in... We have this fantastic magazine in the UK called The Week. In fact, they have it here now. And they have a, it's like a summary of all the week's events and mm. news and the best columnists and stuff like this. And they also do a wit and wisdom column where they list all the clever things that clever people have said. And it was one of those.
0: Amazing. And then I'm just going to stick in this question because you're traveling, you're in New York right now and your girlfriend is in London, I'm assuming. Yes. How do you, how often are you communicating when you travel? Oh, every day. Mm-hmm. Well, of course. I mean, I hope so, but yeah. like every minute or like, are you FaceTiming once a day or is it just like check-ins?
1: Oh, I see. No, it's mostly check-ins, but also in the process of writing the book, I will send her a voice note at the end of each day with the words that I've written. And then she will send me a voice note with the feedback for that. And that's something that we've been doing for well ever since I started writing the book. So,
0: wow, you sounds like you got a really good one who is willing to a lot for you yes really and she's nice.
1: also a brilliant editor she got a first class degree in english from uh, newcastle so oh wow and i don't have to pay for it so
0: that's amazing well i pay for Lucky it I, no i pay for it uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um amazing thank you so much josh thank for you, being Amy. on the show can you let everyone know where they can follow you find you read you yes
1: by all means so you can pre-order the book the book is called anxious man notes on a nervous existence and that's available to pre-order from amazon in august You can follow me on Instagram. I mean, fuck knows why you would.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, It's at edgyrobo, created in a moment of madness. Can you spell that? E-D-G-Y-R-O-B-B-O.
0: Huh, okay.
1: Because when Instagram first arrived, it was considered edgy. So it was sort of play on that. Mm -hmm. And don't follow me on Twitter. Just Mm -hmm. don't bother. It's me going at British Airways, why are you late?
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Letting out your anger. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your time in New York.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.